Welcome to the All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All Around Joe Podcast, I am talking with my man Joe Ward out of Arizona. The interesting thing that Joe has going on right now is that he has been doing the ketogenic diet and still doing CrossFit. I've always had a bunch of questions and haven't been able to get them answered about how keto does with CrossFit because there are a lot of interesting benefits of doing keto, but everybody kind of points to it not being great for CrossFit. Now that Joe's been doing this for a while, we're going to dig into not only how he's feeling, but some legitimate data around how keto has been going for him and how it has been doing or helping him with his CrossFit. So I'm excited to get into this podcast right now. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Get Better Project, which is my online at home daily workout program that has five different workouts per day, depending on where you're at, whether you have zero equipment or just starting out and working out, or you have a full home gym setup and are really good at moving. We've got everything in between, and we are here to help you along with diet, stress, all that fun stuff. And get this, right now, because of the crazy times that we are having in the world, we are offering 30 days free of the whole Get Better Project. Yep, 30 days free. All you have to do is go to thegetbetterproject.com slash 30 days and get started today. That's thegetbetterproject.com slash 30 days, and you can get started and get yourself in amazing shape when you're stuck at home right now during these crazy times. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this podcast with my man, Joe Ward. Joe Ward, how are you, my man? I'm good, Joe. How are you doing? I am excellent. Where are you hanging out today? Right now, I am in my home office mm-hmm. uh, in Tempe, Arizona, where traditionally we experience triple-digit heats. Right now, it's about 70 and incredibly overcast, and I'm snuggling up in my lap, my little Jack Russell puppy named Jersey, because she's a very needy individual. <laughs> Well, that sounds nice because I think it's like 40 some degrees here and snow is everywhere and melting quickly here yeah, in Jack. I, I haven't seen snow in a while. Yeah, man, you should come visit. We could do a snowball extravaganza or something. <laughs> a snowball fight in the van. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. No. Anyway, we haven't had you on the show for, I don't know. Ma- Maybe a little over a year, perhaps. Has it been it was that in, long? Yeah, I think it was at um, in Moorhead. Maybe what end of twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen. Yeah, something like that. We were at we were at Carla's gym, I believe, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it is, or where we were, and. Um, yeah, we had that was the last time we had you on, so it's been a little bit too long. But the cool thing, or the more fun thing to, that we have to talk about today, is that you have been partaking in the keto diet. I have, I have. <laughs> I can't, I can't say I ever saw myself doing it, to be honest. But I remember the first day I told you, you were pumped. I yeah, and the reason that I was pumped is because I have been 
looking for a crossfitter that has been doing the keto diet in a fashion that they could report upon in the sense of actually eating and doing CrossFit and recording results for years. And you're the first person that has actually done it, in my opinion, the right way so that we can have Mm -hmm. some data and figure out if other people should be doing this as well. So good job, funny When you say it like that, it makes me sound like I'm trying something brand new on the frontier, but (laughs) normally I'm not referred to in that light. So that's really flattering. Well, I think it's I think it's the truth. I mean, I've known some yeah, people no, that have I kind agree. of like dabbled with it, but not mm-hmm. or or people that have gone hardcore and done ketosis or the, gotten into ketosis and done it in endurance or they've done it just mm-hmm. for like lifestyle choices, but I haven't ever until you come across somebody that has done it and been doing CrossFit at the level and intensity level that you do it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think when I'd first looked into it and had first really considered seriously going into the ketogenic diet. I really wanted to dive deep and see what was going to happen. And I think I had told you, one of the reasons I first told you was I couldn't find a whole lot either, especially in, in, in the CrossFit world, the keto diet just kind of had a, not necessarily a stigma by any means. I think it's more of a, the general theme of the ketogenic diet and CrossFit is that they don't match or they're not compatible. So most people either just don't try altogether or they don't stick with it long enough to figure out how they could be compatible. Yeah, I completely agree. And I even toyed around in my mind at times with giving it a go to kind of be like the the guinea pig myself. And I think that... Mm -hmm for me and other CrossFitters, or, well, if I'm speaking for other CrossFitters and saying that I was a little bit scared to try it because it's like, well, what if I do this three or six month test and uh-huh. it goes really bad, then I would have lost three <laughs> or six months of, of training. Uh-huh. Um, so what made you, well, first, can you, how do you explain the, the ketogenic diet to people? And then what made you decide to actually give it a full go. Uh, there's, there's a lot in there with what you just said that I kind of want to unpack, especially with you being scared about it. And I think <laughs> uh, I can touch on that too, because it sounds so silly, right? Like you're so afraid to try a diet because there's a lot of unknown around it. Yep. Um, but I think the ketogenic diet, when most people ask me today, I think with all of the research and how much I've been playing around with it over the past, this is actually my 10th week. So I'm no expert by any means. I just kind of, whenever I go into something, trying to put everything I have into something, I want to know as much as possible, especially when it's dealing with something as serious as my lifestyle. But ketogenic diet obviously is any sort of diet promoting the production of ketones in the body to use fat and ketones, uh, as a fuel source through carbohydrate restriction. So, I mean, when our body is deprived of its usual carbohydrates, which we turn into glucose and use for energy, when we are deprived of those carbohydrates, um, if our body's fat and keto adapted, which we can touch upon as well in terms of how to get to that point first, um, our body is able to really 
use the fat that our body has already stored up, turn the fat into ketone bodies as well, and use that for energy instead of the usual carbohydrates, which go down that, that usual route of making the body have such a, I guess we can call it a traditional fuel source. And so most often when people refer to keto, they're referring to this sort of diet producing ketones and fatty acids for, for fuel. But really we're looking at a, a diet that gets your body into that metabolic state of ketosis where you're able to both produce those ketones and fatty acids and actually know how to turn them into energy. Right. Great, great explanation there. And then, I mean, I hope so. I, was just, I also feel like you can hop in at any point just to help me with all the nutritional, all the, all of the, all the nutritional talk that we got going on, all the jargon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, I think that something to note is that a lot of people do not completely understand the ketogenic diet in such a way that, um, they gets messed up or confused because of the marketing that's out there right Absolutely. now and how, you know, you get protein bars and drinks and all kinds of stuff that are marketed oh, yeah. as keto friendly or keto. Mm -hmm. And just cause you have one of these drinks that is high in fiber that makes the net carbs, you know, whatever is keto friendly doesn't mean that you're going to be in ketosis or even benefiting from ketones. Correct. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think when I at first considered trying it, that was something that had kind of steered me away as well. I think I've always been not necessarily afraid of the ketogenic diet. I mean, as a full-time CrossFit coach here at CrossFit Tempe, um, nutrition has always been a strong suit of mine personally, but it was always a conversation where I kind of aired on because obviously it's one of those one of those conversation topics that I would say probably stirs the most controversy nowadays and people just like to argue about it and keto stuff in particular is just so trendy right and so everyone kind of is acting as if they're an expert on every diet out there whether it's paleo or keto or they do this sort of macros or they do flexible dieting where if it fits your macros you can eat it that doesn't matter the food content or food quality by any means but i was definitely pushed away from the idea because of how trendy it is right now mm -hmm. and so i think when I first thought about doing it was obviously January, the, the first week of January. Um, my girlfriend, Mary Rose, uh, you had actually come and hung out with us, I think, earlier in 2019 here in Tempe. Yeah, I forget what month it was, but. But it was during that time when you and Emily were here hanging out with us. And Mary Rose my girlfriend, she had been struggling to lose weight um, for a number of reasons. Um, she had accidentally put on some, some weight as a result of the birth control that she was on 
for a while. So it really messed around with her hormones. Um, she was having stomach issues and she got to a point where even after she went to her physician, they just kind of diagnosed it as an overproduction of stomach acid for her and didn't really give her a cure or a treatment or a protocol other than like avoid acidic foods, (laughs) not really helpful. Um, she was at the point where she was vomiting almost every morning just because of the stomach acid buildup. Um, so she was not having a good time just, you know, existing and eating. And when we hung out with you, you kind of like poked at the idea of maybe trying a different diet, whether that be paleo or ketogenic or just stuff that you've seen work with some people, especially with stomach issues and whatnot. And so Mary Rose actually tried the ketogenic diet first last year. She saw incredible results. She lost 30 pounds over the course of about five months. And during that time, all of her stomach issues went away completely. Wow. So the, the waking up every morning, having to throw up the avoiding anything acidic or especially tomato products was a huge thing that they told her to avoid. Um, she was eating, I mean, she always ate relatively healthy in terms of whole, whole unprocessed foods and whatnot, but the ketogenic diet definitely kind of popped up as a transformation tool for her. And that was my first exposure in terms of when we came into January, 2020, she was going to go back on it because she came, she went a little, a little bit more flexible as we got into the holidays and whatnot. And so 2020 was our usual time to figure out what we want to do with the upcoming year, um, clean up our eating from the holidays and all the travel. Um, and then she had asked me if I wanted to do it as well. And I think that's when I had told you my initial reaction was, uh, I don't know if that's going to work with me in CrossFit. Yeah. So when, when, when her and I had talked about that, I did a little bit more homework on it. Um, the book that you had recommended to her, we've actually been following pretty religiously. Um, that was our first introduction to the ketogenic diet. It's the book by Brad Kearns and, Mark Sisson, um, Mark Sisson being kind of the head of that primal paleo ancestral eating movement. Um, his book that you recommended to us that she used when she first started was the 21 day reset, um, on the ketogenic diet. And so when I committed to trying it with her, Uh, I think it was the second week of January. We just kind of went all in. I think it was a little bit easier for her having me do it alongside her as opposed to the first stint she had in it. It was uh, she would eat ketogenic and then I'd be at the other end of the table stuffing my face with hundreds of hundreds of grams of carbohydrates every night. And so now we're both kind of, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. I guess you could say we're in solidarity with one another, but I mean, I don't even want to phrase it like that. It's more, more so it's a lot easier to cook our meals at the same time and 
grocery shop for the same things, but in bulk and whatnot. Nice. So what was it like going through those first 21 days? So the 21 days that Mark Sisson outlined in his book, we followed the meal plan pretty much to a T. I mean, there's a little bit of flexibility in there in terms of what meals you could just avoid depending on your personal taste. But for me, I thought it was super helpful because all we really focused on was upping my fat intake dramatically and decreasing my carbohydrate intake. Um, We didn't really worry too much about my protein intake. It was more so using the 21 days to reset my body to almost gently wean off of carbohydrates and kind of play around with what would my body do with this surplus of fat all of a sudden. And subjectively, it was really, really cool because I didn't really, I didn't really feel a huge difference. Like my energy levels were pretty much the same across the board. Um, CrossFit workouts felt the same across the board. I didn't really notice a whole lot happening. So I think what was most interesting is both you and I use the fitness tracker out there called Whoop. And for all those listening that aren't familiar with Whoop, Whoop is a is a little thing we wear on our wrist, tracks your biometric data 24 hours a day, seven days a week looking at resting heart rate while you sleep, heart rate variability during your slowest stage of sleep, kind of to produce a recovery score every day to see how primed your body is to perform. And during that 21 days, my recovery score was completely shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so that that was like really, really eye-opening, but also really cool to see from a, a data perspective just because, like I said, subjectively, I felt great. Like there wasn't a whole lot of super noticeable things that had happened other than, you know, me eating a lot more fat in my diet and restricting carbohydrates. But I would see every morning on my whoop that my heart rate variability went, went completely down. So, I mean, I think my usual monthly average in milliseconds is around 130 to 140. Um, it had averaged for the first seven to eight, eight days in the low fifties. Uh, my resting heart rate was around 70 throughout that first week, which again, it was interesting to note because I normally only see a resting heart rate around there after I would consume alcohol typically. And so during this 21 day reset, I hadn't changed my training habits. I hadn't changed my sleep times, my wake times. Only thing that had changed was my diet. And it clearly put some sort of stress on my body (laughs) to adapt in this, in this period. That's crazy. That is, that's like, it's like, what someone would see if they got sick. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like uh, I have a, a handful of my athletes at CrossFit Tempe. Um, we're all 
on the same Whoop team. And so when you're on the same Whoop team, you could see each other's biometric data. You can see everyone's recovery score, how much sleep they got the night before. I had a couple of people ask me like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on with you? <laughs> yeah, man. So at, was it right around the 21 day mark that it started to come back or was it longer or shorter? Or what was that adaptation period? It was actually around the 14 day mark where it started to creep back up. And okay. so it wasn't like immediate. And so I would say probably in that first seven days, I didn't, the effect hadn't, I hadn't dropped into constantly red recovery scores until like four or five days in. And then that had lasted for eight or nine days. And so again, for those of you that aren't familiar with WHOOP, the recovery score is usually on a scale of zero to 100%. And it kind of goes from green, your body can handle basically anything, yellow, maybe pull it back a little bit. Uh, If your body's in the red, it's usually like you should take a rest day. And I've been using WHOOP since... Joe got me on it back when we coached together in Seattle. So probably a little over two years. I had never experienced more than two days in a row in the red, just based on my eating and my life, my lifestyle, my sleep. During this period, I had a solid eight straight days in the red. And uh, it got to a point where Mary Rose was also like, are you sure you want to keep going? Because it looks like you're dying. (laughs) (laughs) and i felt fine like like i said subjectively but it was around the 14 to 15 day mark where i finally started to creep back up um but again i think what was so interesting was if i wasn't using whoop this three week transitionary period this 21 day reset um by mark sisson and brad kearns i wouldn't really have had a whole lot of data to observe right yeah that's i mean and we could get into a whole nother podcast on how interesting the the whoop is and how it is for like just improving things like sleep and and recovery and like listening to your body um and maybe we should at some point especially because have you gotten the new rollout with all the additional questions oh yeah yeah it's super interesting like how you can make it very personal now in terms of what kind of food you're eating and how, how long you're eating. Are you intermittent fasting and how that, uh, Oh yeah. There's a whole lot in there now. Yeah. It's super interesting. So maybe we'll have to do another, another round on that guy, but I'd be interested to know what is, what does your um, macro profile look like now that you're eating or now that your body, well, actually let me take one step back. What are you doing to test to make sure that you're in ketosis? So, a lot of the research out there, especially going off, but like I said, we, we started this out with that, that all the content by Brad Kearns and Mark Sisson and a, a lot of that. I mean, you could do a breathalyzer, but those costs a couple hundred bucks. You could do blood tests to test whether or not you're in ketosis, or you could even use pee strips and P-strips are a lot of the ones, that's what Mary Rose and I have been using. And so the the draw to P-sticks is you pee on a stick and then you wait to see if it changes color in a certain time window. Um, but obviously the P-stick is 
usually seen as the most inaccurate simply because um, the pea sticks only test two of the three ketone bodies. So, I mean, of the ketone bodies, your body's able to produce the one that's excreted the most through the urine is acetate and acetoacetate versus beta hydroxybutyrate, which is the more predominant ketone body being used when you're in a state of ketosis. So mm-hmm. we've been using the pea sticks um, just as, a, as an easy way to see if we're even producing ketone bodies. But a lot of the research that we've seen out there too is using subjective analysis to see whether or not you're actually in ketosis. And by subjective analysis, a lot of it is, are there swings in your energy levels? So like, are you able, based on how you're eating with this specific ketogenic macronutrient profile, are there, are, are, are you able to maintain high energy? Um, and then also how well are you able to intermittent fast in the mornings? And I think that's something that surprised us when we had s- started this out is we didn't realize how easy it was to, to f- see whether or not we're in ketosis based on when we get hungry. Hmm. And I mean, we can talk about that a little bit more as well, but I had never d- done a lot of intermittent f- fasting. Um, but going into it, once we actually got into ketosis after this 21 day reset, um, it was very eye opening to me being able to go 12, 14, 16, 18 hours with phenomenal energy levels and no hunger whatsoever. That's interesting. It makes sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't, I, ha- I hadn't actually heard that before. And now that I hear it, it definitely, like I said, it makes okay. a lot of sense because if your yeah. body is not getting hungry, it's probably, it's probably being pr- producing ketones and utilizing those ketones. And, um, mm-hmm. that would not trigger and, a hunger signal. So, yeah. And I think one of the most interesting things for us is not, like I said, well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, I'm sure in terms of some of the things that surprised me, but with the absence of hunger and observing no dip in energy levels, it was really eye-opening in the sense of going from a carb-dependent lifestyle. Um, you know, when you eat carbohydrates and then your body wants to sop them up so much as they turn in, into glucose, your body wants more carbohydrates. And that's usually when hunger starts to set in is when it's looking for more carbohydrates um, after a carbohydrate binge, which is why, especially when you eat a lot of carbohydrates, most of us can't stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so the 21 day reset was primarily used to transition my body away from carbohydrate dependency, I would say, rather than actually trying to put me into ketosis. Right. And now, what is the macronutrient profile that you're? utilizing and did did the 21 days get you right to there or did it transition or did you have to figure it out what was that process and so typical ketogenic uh, macronutrient profile we're looking at somewhere between 70 to 75 percent of your calories coming from fat um, 10 to 15 percent coming from protein 5 to 10 percent coming from 
carbohydrates. And actually most of my macros right now are right around there. I think mm -hmm. the past six or seven days, I've been right on point for 75% fat, 15 protein, 10% carbohydrates. And I think the transition, I think was by far the most important part of this, of this ex experiment, if you will, because it, it wasn't a huge shift to get to those numbers. I think if anything, for me, what I had realized, I think I told you about this. And I knew that we'd probably touch upon it at some point is I've been using, um, I've been tracking my own biometric data through the use of an in-body, one of those awesome machines that you stand on with your socks off and your fingertips on these handles that shoots all those electrodes throughout your entire body it gives you way more information on you as an individual than you typically need in terms of <laughs> how much does this limb weigh versus, versus this limb but the, the main things that i wanted to look at when doing the in body was my total body weight my lean body mass my body fat percentage. Right. And so I had done an in-body measurement at our gym over at CrossFit Tempe right before I, right before I had started all this. And then I did an in-body right after the 21 day reset, right before I decided, right before we would start to track and go into ketosis. And in the 21 day reset, I lost two and a half percent body fat and like eight and a half total pounds. Wow. And that was just that we weren't tracking anything at all. And so I remember it was like the week before I had done that in body, we had a, a CrossFit workout with 400 meter runs and sets of 25 pull-ups. And I just remember in my head, I was like, I'm flying through this workout. I've, <laughs> I've never been a fast individual and I'm good with my, pull-ups but i would normally start to fatigue at a certain point usually around 50 reps but we were doing somewhere around 120 repetitions in this workout and i was just flying and then i did this in body and i was like oh it's because i lost almost nine pounds <laughs> it's much easier to move this load through this space yeah and so i think for, for, for me personally seeing that on the in body was super interesting but going back to your question about the transition of this macronutrient profile, I think a lot of why I had also lost eight or nine pounds, I think I was in a caloric deficit during those first 21 days because we weren't tracking a whole lot. It was brand new to me. I wouldn't necessarily say I was hungry, but because a lot of what we're eating on the ketogenic diet are high satiety foods. It, it makes sense that even if I was in a caloric deficit, not eating enough, I wasn't hungry by any means because all the foods I was eating were so heavy in fat. Sure. That's super interesting. So what if you were to, or I, I guess when you first started tracking, what did you find out was your calorie number? And then when you adjusted it to now, what is it? Uh, I think I, when I, I first, so the 22nd day moving forward is when we started to really track intensely. And I believe the first like two or three days I started tracking 
um, my total calories were somewhere around 25 to 2,800. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw that for me, I knew it was a big r- r- red flag just because of the active, the active lifestyle I have as a full-time CrossFit coach. I mean, even if you just look out at the data on my whoop, um, it typically says I burn somewhere between 3000 to 3,500 a day. <laughs> um, and so I think I'm on my feet most of the day. And then in the evenings when I'm coaching CrossFit class somewhere between 3 PM to about eight o'clock at night. And then I'm trying to sneak in my own training in there. I was like, I got to eat a lot more than this. <laughs> I was like, this makes yeah. total sense as to why I lost eight pounds, including about, I think six pounds of that was, I think it was five or six pounds of that was muscle mass as well. So it wasn't what you would typically see on a ketogenic diet. And so, you know, I expected to just only lose fat at that point. And so Mm. when I upped all my calories, uh, especially a lot of the research that I continued to dive into was trying to keep my carbohydrate intake, obviously very, very low. Uh, The typical uh, recommendation for folks trying a ketogenic diet is to keep it under 50 grams a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't live an active lifestyle, somewhere under 20 to 25 grams a day, which is not really anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also there's a lot of research out there looking at those that are very active, being able to stay in ketosis closer to a hundred to 150 grams a day. And so I had a feeling that might be where I would end up simply because of how active I am. I'm used to being on my feet all day long and and whatnot. And so gradually, as I increased my fat intake, obviously all the other mm, macros came up a bit. And so now my sweet spot I'm kind of in, it's actually just kind of crazy as I look at it or whenever someone asks me to share with them what my macronutrient profile looks like in my fitness pal. But with those percentages, I'm consuming now about 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day. Dang. And that equates to around over 300 grams of fat every single day. (laughs) Um, I'm around 150 to 180 grams of protein every day. And usually between 80 and 110 grams of carbs. Shoot. That's crazy. I know those are wild numbers and everyone I've talked to, but like for me right now, that's my sweet spot. That's actually me maintaining (laughs) my body weight. And so with these new numbers in place, as I just kind of gravitated towards them, um, I did another in body 21 days after the initial 21 day reset. So this was six weeks into this experiment and I had regained all of my muscle mass that I had lost in that first 21 days. And I continued to drop in body fat percentage. So when looking at the data in just a six week span, it feels so like, odd to talk about this out loud just because it doesn't seem like it should happen or that it's real. But in a six week span, I managed to 
maintain almost the exact amount of lean muscle mass on my body. And I dropped exactly 10 and a half pounds of pure fat, which halved my body fat percentage over that time. Which is I went unbelievably from 10, <laughs> I cool, went, crazy. I went from, from 10.6% body fat, which is our, like I said, when I went into this, I didn't like have a specific goal in mind. I'm not trying to, to lose a certain number of weight. Uh, I wasn't, tr- I didn't have an, an, an end goal in mind at all. But over six weeks, I went from 10.6% body fat to 57 and I had never been, and I, I have never been this cut in my whole life. And it, it, it seems too good to be true, but that all happened in a six week span. Crazy. Absolutely wild. And do you know what, what is your HRV and resting heart rate sitting at these days? It's right back up to where it was before I had started the ketogenic diet so if i open up my whoop app right now i think today i woke up in the green hey 92 percent yeah uh, hrv 134 which for those of you out there that aren't familiar with whoop and these metrics hrv heart rate variability is the the largest gap between heartbeats during your slowest stage of sleep so looking at obviously like a a healthy or a heart that is at homeostasis does not necessarily need to beat at a steady pace. You know, you have that one big beat and then you're, there's a good amount of time before your body asks for a lot more blood to all the organs and whatnot. And so right now I'm hovering around a good 134 average and my resting heart rate's back down averaging around 49 so nice it's super super interesting it is it's and i think that a lot of people are gonna link or like gravitate towards those body fat numbers that you produce because when you first shared that with me i actually had to verify with you what three numbers you were talking about Uh because i was like holy smokes like i thought that you meant body fat percentage but i couldn't believe that you had it had dropped that much that fast so I needed yeah. to ask you, you know, what what are these three numbers? So I think it was like body weight, body fat, and then like lean mass or something like that. Yep. You yep. shared with me, and that's, that's and exactly what it was. It's yeah, it's it's phenomenal, and it's incredibly eye opening. And I think that, that that people, if you're looking to potentially lose some serious body fat and or like Mary Rose clean up some health conditions and maybe this is something that you should give a shot um how before we get into like your CrossFit performance which I think that there's going to be people that are just salivating to hear this part but before we get into that um what or how hard has it been to do this to it to adhere to this style of eating so I'm glad you had asked that because I think that's what a lot of people have been wondering also, especially when I talk to folks about my experience thus far. And I think it's like the the thing they want to ask about, but they don't actually ask about. Like, are, are, are you happy, Joe? Like, <laughs> are you, like, aren't you sad not having carbohydrates? And I think that's the 
the question that I'm that I want to talk about when I talk to people about it because I think a lot of the work out there when ketogenic diet is done right obviously I mean when any diet is done right I think it becomes more of a lifestyle right and yep. so it's it's it becomes the the diets that succeed are the ones that we are able to turn it into a lifestyle and so when Marios and I started this and like when I had hopped on it with her my biggest thing that kind of gave me the green light or I was like okay if that's what's going to happen I'll do it was this idea of metabolic flexibility and looking at the idea of okay let's not look at the ketogenic diet as a restrictive diet let's look at it from the perspective of we're trying to retrain our metabolism to use a cleaner fuel for our brain and for energy um, to promote long-term health. But when we come in and out of ketosis, there really isn't a major ramification, if you will. And so I think that whole idea of like metabolic flexibility flexibility which mark sisson and anthony gustin the founder of perfect keto products that they talk about it a lot from the sense of when this is turned into a lifestyle i can have my carbohydrates i just like most things shouldn't have them in excess right <laughs> like i love breakfast burritos i love tater tots i love sushi but i shouldn't be having them every single day mm -hmm. As much as I would love to. <laughs> so going from my traditional diet, which I would say was a lot more on the paleo side, I'd always eaten very whole foods, not too much, um, clean sources since high school, I think, um, which is why I never really played around with my nutrition for so long. This was the first like big, this was the big first major attempt at redoing my entire nutrition. And I think the transition surprised me in the best way because all the foods that Mary Rose and I have been eating, because they're so high in fat, our satiety levels are through the roof, meaning we're never hungry. The food is very flavorful. I think the other night someone asked me what we were having for dinner. And then when I looked at our at our menu, I was like, tonight we are having flank steak with a tablespoon of butter on top and cooked broccoli and some Parmesan cheese on top. And it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> like, it almost feels like I'm living a, a whole new life where I get to eat really, really, really good food in a yeah. very simple and easy way that I had never. It's just, it, it, it's become more of a paradigm shift, if anything. Right. So less of a difficulty because we're not looking at it through a, um, we're being deprived of all the good things in life, <laughs> AKA carbohydrates, some would argue, but more so from the aspect of we have these new foods that weren't necessarily new to us, but the ways in which we eat them and the combination in which we're able to mix all these different sources of fat into our diet has resulted in some of the most flavorful dishes that I've ever had in my entire life. And it's just, it's, it's happening every single day. I'm so happy and I'm so full. That's, that's cool to hear. And 
a, a question that if I were somebody listening to this podcast would be having on the tip of my tongue would be what happens if you go out to a friend's house and they're serving mac and cheese <laughs> um, or something like that. And With lobster you, and bacon. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, some like really carby meal. Like for me, even though I don't eat the keto diet right now, if I show up and somebody's like serving spaghetti oh. and, you know, there's like zero protein source and there's all carbohydrate and hard, very little fat and mm-hmm. you're basically just consuming carbs into the, the main complete vein. opposite of a ketogenic macronutrient profile, right? Yeah. So you mentioned <laughs> the, the metabolic flexibility. So would you still eat that and know that your body is going to, you know, jump right back into ketosis relatively quickly or how are you handling these situations? And so honestly, this is something both Mary Rose and I are still playing around with. She has a little bit more experience with it than myself, just because of how, how much time she has had under this nutrition, I mean, this nutri- this nutrient profile. But for me, what's been working so far is we've both kind of come to the agreement based on all the research out there is that we have two options. One, because of the metabolic flexibility that we've kind of accumulated over this transition, one major option we have is to turn the opportunity or the event into intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, And one, one of the reasons why we have that as an option is because we're rarely ever hungry now. And that's mm-hmm. what's crazy to me too, just being um, from a CrossFit background and a carbohydrate dependent background is most of my meals were either planned based on the clock or based on my hunger. Sure. And so now we're at a point where we're very, very rarely hungry. So it's if, if we come into, uh, if we're going to go out and hang out with friends or whatnot, or there's a, a carbohydrate meal at a, at an event that we're at and whatnot, that, 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 that's always option number one. Option mm-hmm. number one is we can engage in intermittent fasting, take adv- full advantage of all the benefits that come with that, like autophagy and just all the cleansing of the cells, um, because we're not hungry and we're not looking for food so desperately. The second option is a, we indulge in those in those foods. So say for instance, if I'm really craving mac and cheese, I haven't had in a while. Or like I said earlier, if I'm at a party and someone happens to be having tater tots or breakfast burritos, those are usually my big guilty pleasures. I can engage in that knowing that I'm probably going to have a little bit of a tummy ache, going to have a little bit of bloating um, simply because my body isn't used to that many carbohydrates in one sitting. Yep. Um, but other than me getting bumped out of ketosis due to the, the excess carbohydrates and the production of insulin in the body, um, that's really it. <laughs> so in terms of like consequences, her and I have talked about that as well, where it's like, it's not necessarily a big deal <laughs> if mm-hmm. we get bumped out of ketosis, especially I think as you continue to spend more time in ketosis, in ketosis and your body becomes more fat and keto adapted, I mean, you can get back into it faster and faster and faster. I think what, what we've seen for me 
is it's taken me probably three ish days to get back into it. Whenever I go on a little bit of a carb binge in the past couple of weeks, Mary Rose mm-hmm. is usually back into it within a day or two. Wow. Um, and so it's just, but I think, like I said, because she's had more experience, she's had a lot more time under tension, if you will. Um, just to use a CrossFit phrase. <laughs> um, but it's been really interesting in that sense. So it's like, yeah, a, we engage in intermittent fasting. B we go ahead and have it bump out of ketosis for a little bit and then just clean everything back up and just work our way back in. Yeah. Um, and then I think C a third option there is to try to in, engage in those carb heavy meals that we know are, are going to happen, whether it's because we're hanging out with friends or we have a specific event planned, trying to time those meals after a heavy workout. Mm-hmm. And so we've been able to play around with that as well, knowing that after a heavy workout or a really intense CrossFit workout are, I forget, I think it was, um, I forget who coined the phrase, but your glycogen suitcases in the, in the muscles are a lot more emptied out. Mm-hmm. And so all those carbohydrates will have immediately after will be sopped up by all the muscles and then whatever the muscles don't sopped up once those glycogen suitcases are completely full, those are the carbohydrates that we're actually really dealing with before we get back into ketosis. Right. I think that's great um, because I'm sure that there are people listening to this that have always thought I cannot do that particular type of diet because of social factors and they're just not as comfortable as you or I would be to say, no, I don't really eat that. (laughs) You know, we we have years of being stubborn and and training a certain way and trying to influence people in a certain way that it becomes much easier for us. And I can remember a time in my life though, when I would sit down at somebody's house that I didn't really know and they would serve you something and you would feel very uncomfortable and perhaps rude if you told them that you weren't going to eat it. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to hear that as long as you're not doing that, you know, on a very regular basis, that you will be able to have flexibility and and potentially, you know, your body will bounce right back. Absolutely. So the burning question for all the CrossFitters that have been listening to this podcast is: What has happened to your CrossFit workouts? Because we're all well, the reason that, like I said, I'd never tried the ketogenic diet is because of being scared of having to switch from basically glycogen into ketones and not being able to produce the same amount of energy during high intensity workouts that CrossFit has regularly. Mm-hmm. So what have you experienced? So many things. Uh, let's see. How can I condense this answer? But then again, I know this is kind of the, the meat of the podcast, if you will. Um, so for me, I think the biggest fear going into it was a, what's going to happen to my performance in CrossFit and B after I saw the effects of the first three to six weeks, am I going to continue to wither away? (laughs) (laughs) Because like I said, these results were drastic. But also, uh, like uh, as an athlete, I, I need to maintain some level of functionality. 
Um, And so the really, really interesting thing for me, as I kind of alluded to at the end of the first three weeks was my performance has for the most part over the past nine and a half weeks stayed relatively the same in terms of like strength numbers and whatnot. And then in terms of metabolic conditioning has, has, I've seen a lot of improvements in the data, which a can be a result of me just shedding 10 pounds of body fat on already a fairly lean physique. So obviously I'm not carrying as much load. It's like I took off a 10 pound weight vest and I'm doing all the same stuff with the same amount of muscle, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so there's that aspect to it. But I think one of the big paradigm shifts that helped me as I went into this was looking myself in the mirror, both (laughs) physically and metaphorically and asking myself, what are my goals here? And I think for me, what are my goals in relation to CrossFit? And so I'm a full-time CrossFit coach. I, I hope to coach CrossFit for as long as I can. I hope to open my own affiliate one day. Like I love being able to coach this sport and being able to coach people through such amazing changes in their life. And so for me, the performance aspect of CrossFit really comes down to one thing is I want to continue to perform the sport to the best of my ability only to the degree where it allows me to be the best possible coach. So what I mean by that is also like, I'm not trying to go to the CrossFit games. I'm not trying to become a competitive athlete. Um, I'm not a very competitive individual. So even when it comes to, like I said, most of my training I do is in main class at my gym alongside all my members. And so when I'm performing the workouts in class with all all, all my athletes, it's it's also, it's not necessarily an an ego trip, if you will, where I'm trying to be the number one score. I'm trying to lift the heaviest weight. I'm trying to be the fastest one in the group. For me, my biggest thing is I want to move. I want to move really well. I want to become a really good coach. And really, I want to chase virtuosity and movement. You know, that's something we talk a lot about a lot in the, in the coaching world is I want to move really, 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 really well and coach people to do the to do the exact same in order Mm -hmm. to get the most out of their experience. And so with that paradigm shift for me, it really helped in the sense of like, I'll try this keto thing with CrossFit because at the end of the day, if my performance goes down, it goes down and I can just stop afterwards and try to get my performance back up. Like there are no real, there aren't a lot of high risks here at this point, Sure, but it blew me away. Um, being able to see throughout those nine, nine and a half, half weeks that all my strength numbers basically stayed the same. I think my one rep max back squat, uh, towards the end of 2018 was the last time I tested it. It was around three fifteen. And then it was like two weeks ago, we had tested it in class. So I always have a hard time when we test one RMs in class because I always feel like I need a lot more time. But I got to <laughs> 305. So for, for me, just being 10 pounds off, I felt like nice. I could have continued to go a little bit higher. Um, my one rep max squat clean has been always hovering around 245. And then week and a half ago, I hit 245 for two uh, on a power clean. 
Whoa. So mm, explosiveness is is there. Ross strength for, for the most part still kind of sticking around where it's always been. My, my, I think the largest improvement I've seen has been in my gymnastics endurance. I think again that would attribute to the taking off the ten pound weight vest of body fat for sure, but still being able to perform the way I always have. I think my max set of toast toast to bar has always hovered around 15 to 20. And then it was just three days ago, we did a t- testing class for a max set of toast to bar. I comfortably hit 25 and I think I could have gone up to 30 if I didn't lose my grip. Nice. Um, so like things are feeling really, really well. Performance and energy in, in the workouts has felt really, really good. Oh, like I said, I think it's very important to note both for people interested in the ketogenic diet and CrossFitters interested in the ketogenic diet where I'm coming from as I went into all this. Mm-hmm. So saying, you know, obviously I've been doing CrossFit since 2013, so I've got seven years of CrossFit experience under my belt. So I'm sure that had an influence on me being able to perform on fat and ketones were relatively easy um, as opposed to if someone just started CrossFit and then they just immediately wanted to hop into the ketogenic diet. I wouldn't expect the same degree mm-hmm. of results immediately, but I think it's fascinating to know that this is definitely possible. And like I said, for me, just within a nine weeks of experimentation. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you think, or which CrossFitters do you think are right or should be doing or considering the ketogenic diet? Um, honestly, I think CrossFitters that aren't necessarily the most competitive or aren't trying to perform CrossFit at the competitive level. I mean, uh, there might be some competitive CrossFitters out there on the ketogenic diet, but like, like you and I kind of touched upon earlier, it's, we don't really know. There's not a lot of publication out there or people that are very open and public about it. Um, and a lot of it just being when any sort of athletes trying to perform at the highest level, your diet should be very, very, very individualized, obviously. And so I think who I'd recommend the ketogenic diet for is really the masses. Uh, I've tried to tell people all the time. I think when Mary Rose and I were first talking about it, when she first hopped into it, we were looking at like, what are the, what are the possible outcomes here with her? Cause she does CrossFit recreationally. She goes to main class. She does CrossFit about, four or five times a week just for 60 minutes in class. Like she's not doing four or five hours a day by any means. Um, and if anything, I think it's accelerated her fat loss and her progress. And so I think for anyone doing CrossFit just recreationally or anyone doing CrossFit just for the health and the longevity aspect of it, um, highly recommend giving it a try, but again, doing it the right way the right way and going through some sort of transitionary period rather than immediately restricting carbohydrates and upping all your fat intake to the point where your body 
has no carbohydrates, is producing no glucose, and has ketones, but it does not use it. <laughs> That's yeah. usually what results in what people refer to as the keto flu, right? And so <laughs> the instance of like you feel terrible, and then when you really break it all down, it makes sense why you feel terrible. Your body has no fuel whatsoever. And then the fuel that your body is producing, it doesn't know how to use. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like trying to put diesel in a regular engine <laughs> and then not having regular gas and everything just kind of goes to shit. Yeah. It, that doesn't work. I've heard, I've heard the, the, <laughs> that is, is a very bad thing to do. Definitely. Um, well, shoot this has been super informative is there is there anything that you think that we haven't talked about that's come up in your experience that we should be noting here man um i don't know i tend to talk a lot and you know that sometimes i just keep on ranting um (laughs) i know i think we've covered a lot in all honesty i think like i said the biggest the biggest biggest recommendations i'd have for people that are interested in doing CrossFit and the ketogenic diet is really to do your homework and try to go about it the right way in terms of making sure you have some sort of transitionary period, whether or not you follow a strict protocol like Marrows and I did with the 21 day reset and the work of Brad Kearns and Mark Sisson. Um, There's a lot of good research out there right now, but really at the end of the day, someone had asked me this, I think it was two days ago while I was coaching class and they said, are you pro keto now? Or are you just, are you like the keto guy? And I Mm -hmm. was like, honestly, I don't want to have that kind of reputation and whatnot, but I I'm, I'm following a ketogenic diet. I'm going to continue to follow a ketogenic diet just because of the success that I've seen in terms of energy and quality of life. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I don't, think keto is the end-all be-all i think at the end of the day i still stand by the crossfit prescription of eat meat seeds nuts and vegetables trying to eat whole whole unprocessed foods Mm -hmm. and only eating so much that will support exercise um eating a lot of vegetables really if we just break it down to the simple things i think it'll Who's the author of In Defense of Food? Michael Pollan? I think so. I think it's Michael Pollan. I think it's in his book. I, I love his his simple his simple one-liner of eat real food. So meaning it came out of the ground or it had eyeballs. Yeah. Not too much. Mostly vegetables. Yep. Like if you can break it down to a simple, like for a lot of folks, especially athletes that I meet that are just starting CrossFit for the first time where they've been doing CrossFit for years and they can't get the excess, excess pounds off. I try to tell people like if we start with the very, very simple foundational principles of healthy nutrition, we can get 80% of the way there. Totally. But for those crossfitters that have that have tried this and that or they've played around with or they're curious about the ketogenic diet i say by all means do it go for it play around with it see how it integrates with your specific lifestyle 
and if it works and you see the same results I have, like I said, as an avid crossfitter and very active individual, by all means, I mean, do what works for you. I mean, I can't say how many times I've had to remind folks when people ask me, what is the best diet out there? And I say that the diet that you stick to, Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the way of eating that works best for you. That is very much along the lines of eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. Yep, absolutely. And what I would, what I would add to that is that we're all scientists on our own bodies and we have to take re- responsibility for that. And this is just right along those lines where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, try it out, see how it works. If it works, mm-hmm. great. If it doesn't, then try something different, but make note of it, track it, you know, observe it. And you have your own body. So you're responsible for that. No one else is responsible for your own body. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. This has been super cool, Joe. I've been wanting to talk about this for some time, as you know, and I'm really excited that you went through this and, you know, hope that it continues to go well for you and we'll continue to have you on the show and touch on updates from time to time. In the meantime, though, how can people follow what you're up to? I don't know. I'm all over the internet. <laughs> uh, I'm usually spending the most time on Instagram. It's at Joe Ward with three D's. Um, however, most of the stuff on there is my photography that I currently do on the side. I'm currently working on how to how to best integrate all my CrossFit and nutrition stuff into that same profile. But so if there's any if there are any personal branding people out there feel free to hit me up as well because i clearly need a little bit of help (laughs) no i i i think it's good stuff man i think that uh, you're doing a lot of good and are you taking on photography clients right now i am i'm always taking on photography clients if you know of anyone in the valley over here in the phoenix tempe scottsdale area feel free to send them my way or if you just want me to fly out to wherever you are. If you pay for the plane ticket, I will come. Heck yeah. Joe has done all of my personal photography, except, well, you can tell the good stuff he's done, the bad stuff, that's me. (laughs) Um, So I, I can vouch for him doing that as well. So if you guys are looking to enhance, you know, images for your website or gosh, what, what do you, what would you say your normal client is? I do a lot of portrait work and couples work so really in terms of the of the portrait work do a lot of personal branding so i can help you with your image whatsoever on social media and so what i need help with all those personal branding coaches out there is how to how to put all my stuff together Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of the imagery i got you yeah nice cool well i highly recommend you guys you know connect with joe follow him on instagram and if you need some photography work done hit him up and i'm sure you'd be happy to answer your crossfit and nutrition ketogenic questions as well so joe appreciate it man as always and as uh, always we will talk again very soon i'm sure sounds good brother thank you for having me yeah you bet i'll talk to you soon that was my podcast with joe ward crossfit coach great guy ketogenic diet CrossFit tester. Just some really interesting stuff that we talked about today. And it really 
kind of moved the needle in the direction of trying keto for me and for other CrossFitters, I think, because Joe has some really great information on not only how his body fat has drastically reduced or been reduced and his muscle mass has stayed high, but also how he has continued to improve or maintain his strength and CrossFit workouts, which is something that none of us are really sure about that because we don't have much data of any really consistent CrossFitters doing the ketogenic diet and CrossFit on a regular basis. So I think that it would be also very interesting for more of us to try this. And if you've done this yourself, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at joe at allaroundjoe.com. And or if you have any questions for Joe, I'm sure Joe would be happy to answer those. And you can contact him directly or you can contact him through me. Either way, we're here to help you out. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and make sure that you guys are following us and subscribe to us on iTunes. So you just hit that subscribe button or if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. We really appreciate that. Ask us questions if you have those questions. And we're consistently posting stuff on Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff as well as this podcast is brought to you by the Get Better Project, where we're offering 30 days free to keep people super fit when they're at home. The difference between the Get Better Project and the other programs or workouts that people are just posting out there is we've been doing this for almost a year and a half now. So we have the at-home thing figured out, not entirely. I mean, there's always learning to be had, but we've been doing it for a long time. And we don't only post five workouts per day based off of your home gym setup, but we also do weekly coaching where we talk about sleep, stress, nutrition. We help you set up your diet for success and we do daily challenges. So it's a whole program, not just workouts that we're offering 30 days free for. So if you would like to get in on this and join us in the Get Better Project, head over to getbetterproject.com slash 30 days. That's to getbetterproject.com slash 30 days. And we'd love to have you. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this podcast and we will see you on the next one. The All Around Joe podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all around soccer.